The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. Week 2 had our beloved on the road taking on the Bucks and looking to get their first win of 2017 and their first road win since beating Tampa in December of 2015. Did the Bears get into the win column or did the Bucks keep us from it? All of this plus bear up and bear down on the week two review episode of the Chicago Bears Review. So we were wondering after week one against Atlanta, you know, were the Bears for real? Were we going to be competitive this year? Or were we week one warriors? You hear me ask that question at the end of the fourth quarter knee-jerk reaction. Spoiler alert. But, um, you know, it, it's it's pretty easy to say that, um, you know, it, 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 it looks like we're week one warriors. I mean, I know we were on the road. But we were taking a taking on a team that um, you know we had we had a few advantages over, and um, we pissed it down our legs. That that's basically all there is to it. Um, you'll hear this running theme in the knee jerk reactions about how, granted, the score was twenty nine to seven, and it wasn't really even that close. The problem is that uh, there was very little that the Buccaneers did on their own. You know. Um, you know, you'll hear me say it in the knee jerk reactions, all the credit in the world goes to the Buccaneers because they took advantage of the mistakes that the bears made, but it was those mistakes that laid the foundation for what was the bears own destruction, uh, on Sunday, a 29 to seven loss to the Buccaneers who you heard Mark Schlereth say it a thousand times throughout the game, hadn't played any meaningful football since about week two in the preseason so they're about as rusty a team as you're going to find out there it's god awful you know it's florida so of course the the weather sucks it's you know over 100 with the heat index and you know all that kind of stuff and uh you know it just it just felt like the perfect situation for the bears to take advantage of the rust and you know the you know the the fact their bodies might not be ready for football because of the whole no contact and practice thing or only one contact practice deal and uh so on and so forth that uh you know the bears have been banging around a little bit we just went through a war with the falcons last sunday and you know we had that confidence from that game going into this one and we looked like two completely different teams they just you know, you if if uh, you know the casual fan were to take a look at these two games, one would assume that this was th- they were different seasons that these games took place in because the the Bears looked nothing like they did last week against the uh, against the Falcons. It was uh, pretty irritating, man. It really was. I mean, to be excited, you know, like I was at the end of the show uh, on Thursday to be ready to see this game. You know, I can't wait to see you know, the bears and, uh, you know, I'm anxious to, to answer the question and, you know, 
it just it just fell apart and uh, fell apart quick. You know, you hear me talk about it, knee jerk reactions. We'll just go ahead and get started with those. You know, first quarter, um, you know, you kind of got an inkling that the that something was going to go bad, but uh, I don't think we had any idea that the wheels were going to fall off the way they did. Knee jerk reaction to the Bears and the Bucks in the first quarter, and. Um... <sighs> Yeah, it did not go well. It went badly, uh, not as badly as it could have, but uh, pretty close, actually. Um, the Bucks haven't done anything that the Bears haven't allowed them to do. And what I mean by that is first possession, the Bucks started with the football. Uh, they would have gone three and out except for a holding call on Danny Trevathan. The Bucks were able to drive it down the field and get it into field goal range to put them up three to nothing. The Bears go out, six-plus-minute drive, get the ball all the way down there. Um, I don't really know why Glennon threw this one particular pass. Number one, he threw it in midst of, like, triple coverage. And number two, he threw it behind Deion Sims, basically throwing it directly to Quan Alexander the linebacker who picked it off. The Bears shut that down on defense, three and out, boom, it's done. The Bears get the ball right back, except um, the punt was one of those slow rollers, got the Buccaneer bounce, and Tariq Cohen decided that he wanted to try to pick it up even though he was surrounded by Buccaneer defenders. He fumbles the football. The Bucks pounce on it. Two plays, uh, one play later, actually, I don't even think it was two. One or two plays later, it's in the end zone for Mike Evans. It's 10 nothing, and the Buccaneers have basically done nothing to earn those points. Even the interception from Glennon was a non-factor. I mean, with the, with the Bears shut him down three and out, they barely gained the yard. We get the football back, but you know, and in, in, in essence, it turned out to be like an 80-yard play. They got the books down to the 13-yard line, and uh, they're up 10 nothing. So, the Bears uh, have the football, having just gotten the ball back. Uh, I believe it's like second and three, second and four. Uh, we'll see if they can salvage this thing, and uh, <laughs> hopefully the remaining three quarters are nothing like the first. You know, it's good. I was hanging on to my sense of humor because I was going to need it with the other three quarters that were to follow the first one, but... Um, you know, going back to look at the first quarter, um, the field goal doesn't happen if there's no holding penalty on Danny Trevathan. The, the, they're three and out on their first drive, and we're basically picking up where we left off uh, against the uh, the Falcons. Instead, it turned out to be like a 12-play, six, seven-minute drive that ended in a field goal. And um, what Brent Allen and Rendax were telling us on, on, on Thursday, which was that the the Bucks are awesome from the 20 to the 20, but when they get in the red zone, they can't close the deal. Well, that just happened to be true. That's exactly what happened. Uh, the, you know, we shut them down three and out, but instead, because of the holding penalty, they were able to trek down the field. They got inside the red zone, and they fell flat. They had to settle for a field goal. Um, then the offense uh, seemed to pick up where it left off with the, you know, it was over six minutes at least that the uh, offense held on to the football, got inside the Tampa red zone, and then that was the last of it right there because Glennon throws that interception. Number one, he had Adam Shaheen wide open in the flat off to his right. So um, that throw did not need to be made. Number two, like I said, there were three Buccaneers in the area, right? I mean, in, when I mean in the area, they were sharing Deion Sims' 88. That's how close they were to him. And... Um, then Glennon, uh, you know, makes it so much easier for Quan Alexander by throwing it behind Deion Sims, you know, where Deion Sims would have had to turn back to catch the ball. Um, 
so that was basically it. That was ba- the, and until the Bears scored their touchdown in the fourth quarter. That was the closest we came to putting points on the board all day long. And, um, you know, but again, the Bears shut them down three and oh, like you heard me say three and out, you know, for the second drive in a row, uh, you know, basically. And uh, this time, uh, Tariq Cohen, um, I don't know if he was just feeling himself or whatever. Um, he didn't really even fumble the ball. It's, as soon as he went to pick it up, one of the Tampa Bay defenders stuck his arm in there so that Cohen basically never picked the ball up. But as soon as he made contact with it, the Buccaneer defender stuck his hand in there, the ball pops out, Tampa Bay recovers, and you know they're off to the races after that. So... I mean, and, and that was the first quarter, you know, that was, that was it. The, the ensuing kickoff and the bears were driving with the second and three, second and four play. I was talking about there at the end of the first quarter, but it, it just basically the first quarter kind of laid the foundation for what the day was going to be. The bears are going to make mistakes and the bucks being the team that we expect them to be this season, a playoff bound playoff ready team. If you're a playoff ready team, you take advantage of the mistakes your opponent makes and that's exactly what the Buccaneers did. So, um, you know, they, they uh, not to take anything away from them. You know, when I say that the Buccaneers didn't do anything themselves, what I mean is basically they didn't have to. They really didn't. I mean, they had several long drives, including the, the after the, the three and out. The, you know, it was like at least a 13-play drive. They had other ones like of 11, 12, you know, things like that. Uh, that resulted in field goals. Their touchdowns came off of the turnovers. The first one there to Mike Evans, um, the pick six that you'll hear me talk about here just before in the second quarter knee-jerk reaction, uh, you know, and, and the fumble recovery that 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 Glennon had. All this is all in the second quarter. Um, it was uh, if I <laughs> if I didn't do this show, I would have stopped watching at halftime because there was there was nothing else to watch at that point. And uh, the Bears weren't going to come surging back in the second half or, or anything like that, or at least nothing that they were doing was, was you know, telling me that that was going to happen. So if it wasn't for the show, I probably would have bailed at halftime. Knee-jerk reaction, Bears and Bucks after the second quarter. And, uh, <laughs> oh, God help us. It is way worse than it was in the first quarter. Um, you know, in the, the, the theme – is still the same. It, it's nothing that the Bears haven't allowed the Buccaneers to do or given them the opportunities themselves. Glennon has thrown um, at least one more interception. He, I don't know, maybe he threw two. Who the hell knows? Uh, still have not ever seen a quarterback quite like this panic the way that, that he does in the Oh, that's what it was. It was a uh, fumble. He's he's turned the ball over two more times. He threw another pick, with which was a pick six, and he fumbled the football because he was under pressure. The pocket was closing in on him, and just like last week against the Falcons, didn't look like he knew what he was supposed to do, and ends up getting you know hanging onto the football way too long. Gets caught from behind. Football comes out. 
Buccaneers recover. It is 26 to nothing because the uh, uh, the Bucks just kicked a field goal to end the first half. Um, the only positive thing that's happened for the Bears is Quan Alexander, probably the best linebacker that the Buccaneers have, is out for the game with a hamstring injury. Uh, but speaking of injuries, we've lost Tom Compton to some kind of leg injury. Looks like he got rolled up from some at the, at some point, uh, which will leave. Uh, oh wow. Um, sorry, I was reacting to a highlight, um, which will leave, uh, you know, uh, Grasso in the game and Cody White here uh, at left guard uh, for the remainder of the football game, or at least one would assume. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's been one big disaster. You know, it really could not have gone any worse for the Bears. We've had three turnovers in the first half, uh, three drives that should have ended that were extended by defensive holding penalties, two against Danny Trevathan. I mean, it's just, like I said, all credit in the world to Bucks. They are taking advantage of the opportunities that the Bears are giving them, but it is everything that the Bears have given them. They have 20 of their 26 points off of turnovers for the Bears today. So, I mean, it's without those turnovers, we're talking about a much different football game. We look absolutely awful on offense. And on top of it all, Kendall Wright went down with what appears to be some kind of arm or shoulder injury just before halftime. So where we were bare bones at wide receiver to begin with, now we are absolutely scraping the bottom of the barrel. So Ryan Pace is going to have to sacrifice a draft pick or something to make a trade for somebody to help out this wide receiving core. Oh, yeah, and we got two more quarters of football left to go in this disaster. First things first, the highlight that I had to oh wow while I was doing that was uh, there was a play in the Kansas City-Philadelphia game where uh, there was a pass to the sideline, and it's like defenders were going after it. It was basically tipped up into the air, and the guy caught it and ran for like another 20 yards after it was just like it was some straight up Madden stuff right there just you know something weird that you know only would happen in a video game type thing well we saw it happen in real life so that's why I was all oh wow number two uh Kendall Wright was fine I think maybe it was a stinger uh, of some kind because he played the entire game he uh was he was in there in the second half uh no problem but it's like watching Tom Compton go down um you know which God love Hironis Grasso, you know, but the he's, you know, for lack of a better term or a phrase or whatever, he's a little too light in the ass to play center. I mean, he's he's not built to take on Don Terry Poe's and Ger- Gerald McCoy's and and things like that. He you see him getting shoved into the backfield by these bigger, stronger guys, uh, you know, on the uh, on the defensive line and having Cody Whitehair have to move to guard because you know that happened um you know it, it it just it didn't look good for the bears going into the second half number three what i meant by the game looking much different without the turnovers is this um i still don't think the outcome would have been any different as far as the bucks winning the game but with the the gifts that the bears were giving the bucks and what they were doing and putting the ball in the end zone playing with the short fields cuz those long drives that the buccaneers had all resulted in field goals they didn't have a 12 13 play drive that ended in a touchdown those were the those were the the drives that ended in field goals the ones that ended in touchdowns were the ones where the turnovers came and they're on the bear side of the field 
maybe half a dozen plays at the most, if that, to get it into the end zone. So what I mean by this being a completely different game is that I still see the Bucks dominating. I still see the Bucks winning the game, but at the very least, you know, the Bears still feel like they're in it. Or actually, it may have even been more frustrating because the Bears, despite the way that they were playing, we're still in the game. You know, I'm talking about a, a nine to nothing game or a six to nothing game at halftime, as opposed to a 26 to nothing game where it's going to take a miracle for the bears to be back in this thing. So that's what I meant by this being a completely different game. It's like the bears weren't playing well enough for me to sit there and say, if it weren't for the turnovers, the bears would be winning this thing. No, not at all. The thing, <laughs> it just would have been closer is what it would have looked a lot more like the preseason games I saw the Bucks playing one uh, on the few episodes of Hard Knocks that I saw was that they were able to like Renan and Brent were saying 20 to 20 they're monsters they, but they get inside the red zone they can't close the deal and when they had the ball on their own they're driving the length of the field they get inside the red zone they can't close boom they're kicking field goals you know so maybe it's 12 to nothing at halftime as opposed to 26 to nothing but nothing that couldn't be overcome the bears would have still had some hope going into the second half it still would have been ugly but it wouldn't have been the disaster that it was so um you know i just think that um matchup wise the bears did not match up well uh with the bucks and we were pretty much dead in the water from the beginning you know i mean we had higher hopes going into the game but once the game started it it, it was apparent that the the Bucks were, you know, faster than the Bears and, uh, you know, more athletic. And it just uh, oh, it was ugly. So um, we move on to the third quarter. Um, the Bucks only the Bucks won the second. Well, actually, the Bucks lost the second quarter seven to three. You know, they kicked one more field goal, uh, but that didn't come until the fourth quarter. But the third quarter was more the same. We were avoiding the turnovers, but we were doing absolutely nothing to get ourselves back into the game. Major reaction to the third quarter, the Bears and the Bucks, and at least it's uh, at least the score didn't change. It's still 26 to nothing after three quarters. Our, our offense uh, can do nothing. And, um, you know, the defense managed to generate its first turnover of the season, uh, forced a fumble, Pernell McPhee knocking the ball loose, Leonard Floyd being right there to scoop it up. But uh, three plays and five yards later, the Bears are punting the ball back to the uh, Buccaneers. And uh, they're currently on a drive that started at the eight-yard line, and I believe the last play just put them inside our red zone. So that's just to give you an indication of what this day has been like. Uh, it's still 26 to nothing. It will at the very least be 29 to nothing at the end of this uh, current drive because they're well within field goal range but are you know, trekking down the field to put another touchdown on the board. So, um, you know, yeah, so it's – yeah, time to get ready and start prepping for Pittsburgh because this bad boy is over. And sure enough, that that drive that started at the Buccaneer 8-yard line that went all the way into our red zone ended in another field goal. And, um, you know, that's the kind of thing where you just kind of got to look back and, and, and wonder how the game would have shaped up if not for the Bears' mistakes. I mean, granted, they did enough with penalties to extend drives and give the Bucks more chances uh, to, you know, to continue their drives and, and, and whatnot. But you got, you got to wonder, we had four turnovers in the second half, not three, four. I mean, we, we all forget about the Tariq Cohen fumble is counting amongst those because 
Glennon had the two picks and the fumble in the first half, and Cohen had that intercept and they had the fumble uh, on the punt. So four turnovers resulting in in uh, you know twenty of the twenty six points. Um, you know, it was just uh, it's just yeah. I mean that that fumble from Cohen put the ball at the thirteen yard line. Um, you know, the interception for um, the pick six, obviously that went all the way back for a touchdown. And then the, the the fumble that Glennon had, I think the Bears are maybe at the 25, 30-yard line. So, again, another short field for the Buccaneers, only instead of field goals, they, you know, were able to punch those in. It just – it was a disaster of a day. Um, you know, it, it just uh, – you know, there's, there's one – I mean, there's one thing about – there's are a huge difference, I should say. There's a huge difference between watching your team lose and watching them be embarrassed. And the Bears were embarrassed yesterday. They were they were just absolutely <laughs> just beaten down to their core yesterday. And and just it was just a good old like I said, it was twenty nine to seven, and it wasn't even that close. And and you know it wasn't even that close. And we gave them twenty of those points. We gave them to them. And it just, uh, that's what was frustrating. And that's what made me want to bail on it was not that they were losing. I'm not a child. I can handle the bears losing. God knows after the last, you know, third, you know, starting from, you know, we started three and oh, after Tressman, we were five and eight after that. And we had some pretty epic losses, uh, in, in 2013, 2014, you know, and then John Fox comes to town. They start the rebuilding project. We've won nine games in the last two and, you know, two seasons and counting. John Fox is 0 for September as the head coach of the Chicago Bears. He's got two more games in this month. He's got next Sunday against the Steelers and next Thursday against the Packers. And odds are going to say that uh, if the Bucks can take us to the woodshed like that, can you imagine what two Super Bowl contenders can do to us? You know, we hung tough in there with the first Super Bowl contender. And then, you know, the other one, just the playoff contenders, a step down, to be honest with you. Um, then we got the Steelers, who are a legit AFC uh, uh, champion contender. And then the, the Packers, well, they're the freaking Packers. So it's going to take an enormous change in attitude and a, uh, a lot smarter play for the Bears to even compete with these two teams, you know, like I, I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, I got a funny feeling about the Steelers game. Not anymore. Not after the way that we played uh, on Sunday, you know, like uh, it's, it's the NFL. So I wouldn't be overly surprised if we could pull off the miracle on, uh, on Sunday. But uh, I, 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 I don't have the feeling about it that I did a week ago at this time when we were coming off that effort against the uh, Falcons. So but um, anyway, we got one more knee-jerk reaction to get through, and then my uh, my notes, and then we'll wrap this thing up. <laughs> knee-jerk reaction, the Bears and the Bucks after the fourth quarter, and it's a final 29-7, to so the Bears don't get shut out. Um, but, uh, you know, you take away those uh, turnovers – 20 points uh, off of the four turnovers that the Bears had. Uh, the only one that was insignificant was the um, the first interception that uh, Glennon threw, um, the, the one that got picked off that was thrown behind uh, Deion Sims. But, um, you know, the rest of the way it was uh, – 
You know, the offense was awful. The defense did the best they could. They just couldn't get themselves off the field. That You know, defense shot themselves in the foot so many times in this game. It's just like the defensive holding penalties. It was just ridiculous. It, it just seemed like every time the Bears had made some kind of advancement, it was because there was some kind of penalty that allowed it kind of thing. So, um Offense, we really have to change something on offense. I mean, the funny thing is, Glennon's going to be at or above 300 yards passing for the game, and it's something that could have been done from the very beginning. Because you're sitting there and you're looking, it's like, why weren't we doing this earlier? For the second game in a row, Glennon, you know, is an all-star quarterback in the fourth quarter as far as his stats are concerned. But the first quarter, second quarter, it's all if it isn't an underneath route or a back coming out of the backfield, the Bears aren't throwing the football and it's just it's not going to be hard for defense to figure that out, especially next week when we have the Steelers. So it's just the Bears need to figure out something on offense. I know we're hamstrung by the fact that we've got trouble at wide receiver and Marcus Wheaton wasn't active again this week and all the rest of it. we got to be a little bit more imaginative. We have three healthy tight ends, but Zach Miller's the only one out going, for, going out for passes and stuff it's just there's a lot of work to do and you know the question coming into this game was was that was week one a window into what we can expect or were the bears just week one warriors after this performance we look like last year's three and 13 team we look like week one warriors that got lucky against atlanta it pains me to say it but it's true you know we did look like the three and 13 team last year that could not get out of its own way that would shoot itself in the foot constantly, whether it be by turnovers or pen- getting a, you know some kind of penalty that would either kill a big play or um, you know extend the drive for our opponents and and things like that. We, that's what we looked like. We looked incompetent. We looked disorganized, sloppy. You know, like we just had no answer for what Tampa Bay was doing it e- doing, even though we were allowing them to do it, kind of thing. It just it was extremely frustrating to sit there. Uh, and watch I mean and then as far as the receiver thing that was frustrating to sit there and and watch now I know as a football guy I know that the coverage was a lot more relaxed in the fourth quarter the Buccaneers are just trying to keep everything in front of them so the Bears were trying to take advantage of that however the the fact is we didn't even try in the first half of the game when it was still a game you know we weren't even trying And um, it just, when I say we could have been doing that from the beginning, what I mean is we should have been trying from the beginning because Tariq Cohen was a non-factor in this football game. Jordan Howard, before he left with the, you know, he was listed with a shoulder injury coming into the game. He left with his arm in a sling after, you know, during the game, Um, you know, nine carries, seven yards for, for Jordan Howard in this game. Um, Tariq Cohen wasn't much more effective in or out of the backfield and, um, you know, all the underneath stuff that the bucks were all over it. And it just, it just was mind numbingly disgusting to watch the bears just try to do the same stuff. And what's even more frustrating is that we were pretty much in the same boat with the same receivers, Bellamy, Deontay Thompson, you know, and then insert, you know, Zach Miller's in there and, and, and whatnot. But we didn't seem this unimaginative with the offense last year. You know, even when Jay Cutler was down and we had, um, you know, we had Hoyer or actually more specifically uh, Matt Barkley uh, as the quarterback, 
You know, we have a lesser quarterback, a lesser wide receiving core, and Barkley slinging it all over the field. And we had Jordan Howard. So how do we look more explosive and more dangerous on offense with the same guys and Matt Barkley than we do now? You know, we still have Bellamy. We still have Deontay Thompson. Kendall Wright is a better option for us than Eddie Royal because, you know, he just is. And, uh, you know, we also had Tanner Gentry who, who managed to catch a few passes yesterday. I mean, I know it's not good, but it still looks better than what we had last season or at least we know with i mean they 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 went through the drops in the fourth quarter and think that was more fatigue than anything else you know i think it was more the bears were defeated and they were ready for it to be over with that's what i think that was more about than anything you know i don't think it had anything to do with oh the bears are terrible and the the receivers can't catch the ball or, or anything like that i just think that the game was over and you know they weren't putting in the effort that they would have in the first quarter but, you know, from the outset, we're doing this dink and dunk out of the backfield crap. We, we can't do that anymore. OK, the Steelers have a higher football IQ than anybody we played thus far, especially on the defensive side. Um, you know, they they um, <laughs> they're they're going to kill us next week if we don't do something different on offense. You know, we need to go back to whatever it was we were doing in the second half of the season when Matt Barkley was our starter for the last five or six games of the season and try to push the ball down the field some. That will open things up for Cohen and Howard coming out of the backfield. We need to get our tight ends involved. We, you know, I know that Deion Sims was looked to be more of a blocker than a receiver, but he made two really nice catches last week against the Falcons, Did some, got some yards after the catch. Shaheen, you know, this was supposed to be our stud. I mean, honestly, this was the guy I expected the most from in our rookie class in 2017, and we've seen nothing from him. I know that it's a huge adjustment from Division Two to the NFL, but he's been active in both the games. So he's been on the field and playing. We should be trying to use him, period. And, uh, you know, we're doing nothing to throw. I mean, I don't even think he's been targeted yet. I don't think we've thrown one in his direction uh, at this point. So... That's something that needs to be, you know, fixed or repaired or worked on or, or what have you. And, uh, you know, it, it, something has to change on offense. Otherwise, it's, uh, I mean, it's we're 0-2 we're and it already feels like it's been a lot longer than that. I mean, just watching, just from one game, watching the Bears take that beating yesterday was just awful. You know, like I said, if, if I didn't have to do the show, I would have bailed after the second quarter. There's no way I was going to subject myself to that if I didn't have to. So uh, this is what I do for you guys. I put myself through the second half of that god-awful football game. So um, anyway, let's go to my notes real quick. I only have a couple. Um, number one, after yesterday's performance, everyone is going crazy over getting Mike Glennon off and uh, Mitch Trubisky back out there. Um, no, absolutely not. Um, not because I don't think Trubisky could be better, because we can't do much worse, but um, there's no way we're going to throw this kid to the Wolves like that. with Against the Steelers? Are you insane? No way. Absolutely not. No way, guys. It's insane to want to put Trubisky out there against the Steelers. 
Okay. Now, granted, I just got done pumping up the wide receiving core, but we're going to need one better than the one we have. We're going to put Trubisky out there. Number two, the running game right now is virtually non-existent. So, you know, the, they're, they're all over Howard and, and Cohen right now. And it's just, this is not the situation that we want Trubisky in. It's just not. Now, I don't know if it's going to get any better or worse, but, you know, two games in, it's just too early to pull the plug. Uh, it's too early to put Trubisky in there. We're not going to the playoffs this year, guys. That was kind of the point of all of this. That's basically what Ryan Pace told us when he signed Glennon and then drafted Trubisky. You know, when he did that and our top uh, top draft choice was somebody who was not going to be on the field right away, and I don't give a damn what anybody says, that was never going to happen. Never going to happen. Glennon was always going to be the starter. It was always going to be 2018 or bust for Trubisky. It was never going to happen this year. It was always going to be Glennon this year. From the moment he was signed back in March on the first day of free agency, it was Glennon's job, period. Okay, so everyone who keeps talking about how, you know, Trubisky was better in the preseason, and he was, it didn't matter. It did not matter. It never mattered, guys. It was never going to happen. Glennon's the guy this year. You all Every last one of you, let it go. Let it go. Okay? The earliest, the earliest I see Trubisky, quote-unquote, taking over would either be after the Packer game when we have our 10-day gap between the Thursday night game against Green Bay and we got a Monday night game after that, so we even have another extra day. That would be the soonest I could see it happening. The most logical that I could see it happening this year, if it happens at all, would be week 10 at home against Green Bay after the bye. Because we have our first eight games and the week nine bye. Week 10 at home, Green Bay, two weeks to prepare. Hell, we might even have a new head coach at that point. Who knows? All right. But that is the absolute earliest. I mean, that is the most logical time that I see it happening. The earliest would have to be after the Green Bay game, uh, week four. That's the that's the earliest. Okay, so everybody thumping their chest and pounding on the table for Glennon to start now. Number one, no. Number two, no. And number three, hell no. We're not. It's, Trubisky is the future. Putting him in there now would be throwing him into the wolves, and we risk wrecking his confidence, getting him hurt. I mean, yesterday, I didn't even mention this, but um, uh, what's, what's his name? Um, Josh Sitton went down with a rib injury yesterday Cody Whitehair played all three interior line positions he started at center he moved to left guard when Tom Compton got hurt then he moved to right guard when Josh Sitton went hurt so Todd Sowell could come in and play left guard yesterday okay our offensive line is in shambles we're still waiting on Kyle Long to come back um, we may or may not see Marcus Wheaton again this week and it just it's this is not where we want to insert Trubisky you know it just isn't you know, it's, 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 it's madness. So stop it. Just stop. Okay. Think with your minds, use your heads. Now is not the time. Okay. I know a lot of you are saying now is the perfect time. No, it's not. It absolutely is not. Okay. It isn't. Glennon is the guy. Let him take the lumps. He's getting paid for it. Okay. Let him take the lumps. Let him deal with what's going on out there. Okay, and then when we either add some more weapons or start getting some guys back healthy or something like that, when the at the very least when the offensive line 
is a lot more stable, then I will entertain it. Okay. But right here, right now, we have no idea who we're going to have out there at offensive line. We don't know if Sitton's just, just left the game for the, you know, for Sunday and he'll be back against the, the Steelers or if Kyle Long's going to play next week, that changes things. If Sitton and Long are back in next week, then, then maybe, you know, week five after the, after the Green Bay game. Sure. Why not? Let's let's give it a shot and see what happens, especially if Glennon plays two more games like he just did against Tampa Bay. Then I'll I'll join the crowd. But right here, right now, logically, guys, would you want Trubisky in the middle of that? Okay, if you say yes, you're insane. Okay, you are insane. Okay, I know that Trubisky would be better in the pocket. That's fine. But we still have nobody for him to throw the football to. Nobody up front to protect him. And our defenses are keying in on our running backs. We just saw yesterday how well that goes. Okay. So, and we've got two more playoff defenses before we play the Vikings who haven't looked bad thus far on defense either. So, uh, no, absolutely not. Trubisky is just going to have to wait. Okay. And you are too. So just take it down a notch with this Trubisky madness. It is not time yet. It just isn't. Okay. Now, speaking of injuries, I mentioned this in the preview episode with the CFL ending their all, no, no contact practices basically from now on uh, in the CFL. Um, you know, one of the tweets that I put out during the game yesterday where people were like, fire Fox, fire Pace, fire this, fire that. You want to talk about people who should lose their jobs. Number one is our strength and conditioning and our training staff because our guys are made out of tissue paper, apparently. You know, I mean, this is insane what is going on with our guys. I mean, how unlucky can one team get? You know, I mean, Jesus Christ, man. All of 2015, all of 2016, and here we are two games in. We got guys dropping like flies since the dress rehearsal game. You know, starting with Cameron Meredith, that just kind of opened the floodgates, and one after another, here they go. You know, Benny Cunningham with the ankle sprain, with the, you know, Josh Sittens banged up and... We, you know, like I said, Cody Whitehair played all three interior spots in the offensive line yesterday. If somebody else goes gets hurt, we're probably putting Adam Shaheen at left tackle or something. I mean, that's how nuts it got yesterday. We were one injury away from turning a tight end into an offensive tackle yesterday or whatever the hell we were going to do. But it's just that's how desperate it got yesterday. We were getting banged up. And, you know, Leonard, uh, Leonard, not Leonard Floyd, but... Um, uh, Jordan Howard going out of the game yesterday with the with the shoulder injury and it just you know Kendall Wright that I think that was a stinger I never heard officially but the way that he was holding his arm and then he came back he looked like he was fine I think maybe it was just a stinger but you know it's just like one thing after another Jarrell Freeman and then Nick Wikowski he goes out yesterday another pectoral injury for, you know what the hell is going on you know it was like one team cannot be this unlucky Okay, it has to be something in the way of the preparation or the strength and conditioning or something. I mean, it it just cannot be that we're this unlucky. I mean, it really can't be that we've put this collection of players together and they just can't stay healthy and that's all there is to it. You know, I mean, it's just ridiculous what's going on with the health of this team constantly. You know, it's like we're going to look back on this, you know, years from now. And it's like, you know what, as bad as it was when Fox was head coach, you got to wonder what the guy could have done if he had a healthy roster while he was there. Because that's all we could say after 2015. 
was, you know, wonder what could have been had we not lost boom, 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 and boom. Same thing after last year. Jay missed a handful of games. We had the quarterback with, you know, Matt Barkley was our quarterback forever. And, you know, our wide receiving core was down to nothing. And it's just what could have been, you know, all the games that we could have won last year, but because we were missing this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, we were at a disadvantage every single week. And then here we are two weeks into 2017. And it's the, the, the leading conversation that we're having again, you know, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. You know, I still am am steadfast in, in the belief that, you know, it, it also has a lot to do with the fact that th- there's no contact to practice anymore, that these guys' bodies aren't aren't really prepared to play pro-level football. But there are a lot of teams in the league that don't have the same problems that we do, you know. There are a lot of teams in the league that it, that, that don't have to deal with this, you know. And I would have to think that, that luck has something to do with it, but at the same time, I believe maybe their staffs are doing things that we're not, or they're doing them better or whatever the case may be. You know, Kyle Long has been on the shelf since November with an ankle injury, still waiting to come back. And it's going to be October soon. So it's almost a full calendar year. We're waiting on Kyle Long to come back. And, um, you know, it's just, you know, Kevin White, don't even get me started on Kevin White, that poor bastard. Um, you know, we lose in Jarrell Freeman with the with the pectoral injury, he's done. And then Nick Kukowski, haven't heard word about him yet, but, uh, you know, it's probably not good. So, you know, that ragtag, uh, you know, running back, uh, excuse me, running back, uh, linebacker, God damn it, linebacking core, where, we, you know, John Timu, Jonathan Anderson, and Christian Jones, those right now, those are going to be our starters. Team who's probably going to get promoted from the practice squad and, and moved into the, uh, you know, to the to active roster, uh, you know, and he could be starting next week against the Steelers. So, yeah, that's going to be fun. Uh, you know, John Timu, Jonathan Anderson, and, and Christian Jones against Le'Veon Bell. Can't wait to see it. So, um, you know, something needs to be done there. Something has to change because it's just, there's just no excuse for it. There absolutely is no excuse. You know, there's no way that the Bears as an organization are this unlucky with the players that we have. So, and then, um, you know, you heard me talk about it before. Um, two weeks in a row, we've been the most prolific passing team in the NFL uh, in the fourth quarter. You know, so we, we can pass the ball when we have to. Now, granted, you know, Tampa Bay was doing us a favor by sitting back, keeping everything in front of them, not allowing any big plays. Fine. But um, how about we pretend that we have to against the Steelers from the outset and try to push the ball down because we absolutely have to at this point. If we want to have any success running the football, we have to push the ball down the field. Otherwise, we're going to be in eight, nine-man boxes every down. And, you know, the Steelers play a 3-4. They'll be shooting the gaps with the linebackers and the safeties, and we won't get a down. We won't get a yard on, on the ground next week. We absolutely have to going in there we have to figure out how to pass the ball even if it's you know trying to hit seam routes with our tight ends and things like that use adam shaheen and his catch radius the guy's six seven he could probably tickle the moon from here with that catch radius of his throw the damn ball up there and see if he can catch it what's the worst that can happen aside from another injury but we just got done talking about that so i mean come on let's pretend that we have to next week and see what happens you know just let's just, we got to do it 
You know, like I said, a year ago, we had the same wide receiving core. We had better tight ends than we had a year ago. Jesus Christ, there was a steep drop-off after we lost Zach Miller. We got two more now. We got Shaheen. We got Deion Sims. Let's mix it up, man. Let's do it. The Patriots yesterday, in between the Bears, you know, quarters and stuff like that, I was watching the Patriots and the Saints. I heard them say that uh, somebody went down in their wide receiving core. They had two wide receivers yesterday. Two wide receivers on the field. You know, or on the team, I should say, not on the field, on the on the team yesterday. Two healthy wide receivers on the team yesterday. You know how many points the Patriots scored? 36. They scored 36 freaking points yesterday. Now, granted, they have Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and what have you. However, you know, they were making what they have work. We are not doing that, period. So, uh, yeah. So, anyway... What do you say we uh, wrap this thing up? And it will be quick, I promise you, with some uh, bear up and bear down and close the book and get this game in our rear view. Bear up and bear down for week two between the Bears and the Bucks. And anyone who follows me on Twitter at Shy Bears Review already knows there are no bear ups this week. Not one. The only one that even comes close to getting one, and it has nothing to do with his play, but the fact that he was basically the only man standing at the end of the game, is Cody Whitehair. You know, the poor guy started as the center, moved to left guard, finished at right guard. Uh, yesterday while his teammates were falling around in pieces around him. So um, if I was going to give a bear up to anyone, um, it would be Cody White here. But no bear ups, no official bear ups this week. Maybe we'll call it an honorable mention to Cody Whitehair for managing to stay healthy um, and, um, you know, being there when the Bears needed him yesterday. However, it's all bear downs. I don't have many, even though I should have a laundry list. I just kind of narrowed it down to a few different names. Uh, The first one being, unfortunately, Tariq Cohen. What the hell were you thinking, bro? Seriously. Why? Why would you do that? I don't understand that at all. You know, it's like, I guess I I understand you not wanting to have the ball roll inside the 10-yard line or whatever, but um, yeah, you just got to cut your losses there when that happens. You know, that's just, that's just, it was so stupid. And it, it literally turned the tide. It really that that the game was pretty much on the way out after that, um, because one play later the Bucks are in the end zone and they're rolling, and um, what we had just done was weathered a we had our weathered our first inter, our first turnover of the season. The defense buckles down, three and out, giving the ball back to the offense, and that mistake number one put the defense back on the field. It put points on the board and, you know, what what ended up being an insurmountable amount of points with 10 because we ended up with seven. So your fault, bro. That was easily avoidable. You should have done that. Rookie mistake. You won't ever do that again. We know that. But uh, it cost the Bears big yesterday. Number two, bear down. Mike Glennon, just awful. You know, don't pay attention to the fact that he was like 22 of 32 for 300 yards. Uh, and a touchdown, it was the two picks and the fumble that really did us in uh, yesterday. Um, the pick six was just, he tried to throw Josh Bellamy under the bus for not running a good route or not winning the route is the way he put it uh, in the press conference. But uh, 
still shouldn't have made the throw, and he admitted that at least. But, uh, you know, after the throw, it was an easy run back to the end zone for the touchdown. And uh, then it was, I think, 23 to nothing at that point. So the game was was over uh, at that point. But, um, you know, again, with the panic in the pocket, not knowing what to do, caused the fumble that led to another touchdown. Just, uh, yeah, just bad, bad football, man. You are not making the argument easy to keep you out there. And basically my argument has not is has gone from Glennon is the better option. He's the veteran. Let him do it to let veter- let Glennon take the beating. We don't want Trubisky to take the beating, shake his confidence, and ruin him going forward. That's That's what the argument is down to for me. Not that I don't think Trubisky would be better for us because I believe that 100% he would be. I just don't want him out there taking that beating. I don't want him out there during this time, you know, which is why I want to wait until Long and, he- uh, Long and Sitton are healthy again. So we got Long and Whitehair and Sitton up front protecting Trubisky. That will also give us a better shot in the run game so we can open things up for this kid. The earliest that I want Trubisky out there is the first day that those three guys are out there together on the offensive line. When Sitting Long and Whitehair are back out there together, you can put Trubisky out there. Right here, right now, no freaking way do I want that guy out there taking a beating. Yes, like that, just no, absolutely no way. And that's how bad Glennon, is, Glennon has gotten, is that I still want him out there because I don't want to sacrifice Trubisky and ruin him for the future. That's what it's gotten to. So bear down to Glennon. Uh, we already talked about this. Bear down to the strength and conditioning team. Like I said, our guys are made out of tissue paper, and I and something you know has me thinking that this is your fault more than anything else because we didn't have this problem when Lovey was there, you know. And granted, Lovey was on the tail end of that whole, um, you know. M- but 2011, 2012, those were Lovey's last two years. We didn't have injury problems in 2011 and 2012. It wasn't until 2013, 2014, and beyond when Tressman and those idiots took over that uh, things started to fall apart for us as far as being a healthy team. You know, we never had injury or not serious injury issues. Maybe if somebody banged up, they missed a game, you know, that kind of thing. We didn't have guys dropping like flies, losing them for the season one after another, the way that we've had the last few years. It is remarkable how the, how it's been going down. You know, like the Bears seem to set a new record each year with how many people finish the year on IR and we're on pace to do it again. So, I mean, it's, it's awful, and it's got to fall on somebody, and I think strength and conditioning is where it belongs right now. And then finally, Doyle Loggins, bear down. Um, you know, you should be fired. We should like do the what like the Bengals are doing. They just fired their offensive coordinator after two games. They haven't scored a touchdown yet. You know, we should be firing Doyle Loggins some point this year. I don't care when. Just get rid of him. I know you're hamstrung. You don't have a, a decent wide receiving core. Your offensive line is banged up, but better play callers have done more with less. Like I just talked about what Josh Childress is doing with uh, with with you know two wide receivers and a, and a bevy of tight ends and and running backs out of the backfield in New England. You know, it's uh, it's called imagination, and you thoroughly lack any imagination to be a play caller in the NFL. The fact that you got to keep your job. When a guy that used to work for John Fox and Mike McCoy was available after losing his job in San Diego, we should have brought him in to be the offensive coordinator. And, uh, you know, it'll cost Fox his job. He'll be he'll be going out the door with Loggins probably at the same time. We'll see. But um, anyway, that's all I got. 
Um, we're going to come back on Thursday. Uh, Jeff Hartman from Behind the Steel Curtain will be joining us to help preview the Bears and the Steelers. And I will be sharing with him how my optimism for this game has uh, waned seriously over the last 24 hours and uh, see what uh, he thinks the Steelers will be able to do uh, against the Bears on Sunday uh, at Soldier Field. So come back on Thursday for the Week 3 preview. Until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use indeed the better it gets and listeners of this show will get a 75 dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com match just go to indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.